You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is season two, episode 12. In this episode, I'm going to introduce you to woven sculpture artist and mentor Matt Tommy of Asheville, North Carolina. Matt's creative journey began in rural parts of southern Georgia where, walking through the forest, he would collect tree bark and kudzu vines and other rustic materials which he would begin to use in basket weaving and sculptural art forms. Matt is also an author and has written several books on unlocking the heart of the artist. He spent the past 10 years mentoring creatives and helping artists discover ways to take their work from the realm of concepts and ideas into a sustainable lifestyle. This is my interview with Matt Tommy, Unlocking the Heart of the Artist on Process and Productivity. Matt, it's an honor to have you on Makers and Mystics, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Well, likewise, it's my pleasure, so thanks. Yeah. I wanted to talk first a little bit about your work as a sculptor, as an artist, and then later on in the program, we'll get into some of your work as a mentor and as a creative thought leader in the Christian community. But first, tell me a little bit about the work that you do and how you would describe yourself. I'm still trying to come to that, I guess. I, <laughs> I've always thought of myself as a basket maker, and then people started saying, well, you're actually a sculptor. I'm like, that sounds great. You know, so... Um, <laughs> Really, 23 years ago, when I was a student at the University of Georgia, I found a book on basket making. And it's like, what 19-year-old kid, especially a guy, finds a book on basket making that says anything to them? you know? But for me, it was sort of a convergence of a love for natural materials, a love for being in the woods, and really itchy fingers, you know, just this love to make. And it just made sense to me when I started seeing baskets and woven things. And so I literally took that book home and went out into the woods out behind my apartment building and found a bunch of kudzu and started making baskets out of kudzu. And no matter what I was doing for really 15 years as a, as a hobbyist, I was always making baskets. And this was kind of this excuse for me to get in the woods and and create. And um, then in 2009, things kind of took a turn and I, I stepped out as a, a full-time artist or started that transition rather. And now it's, it's what I do full-time. And it's just amazing that, you know, with kudzu and with vines and with things that everybody says are, are no good, this is what I make my living out of in my creative expression. So that's, it's great. <laughs> uh, man, that's so amazing. Just the idea of taking, you know, kudzu and, and these discarded materials or these overlooked, unused branches or things in the in laying on the ground in the forest, and then you've managed to take those things and actually make a livelihood out of your passion. Well, and that was a big part, I think, as a one who's a creative, you know, as an artist, but also somebody that feels called to to help other people along that journey. I was like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? You know, kudzu baskets. And I remember the Lord telling me really clearly that uh, the the same things I did in the natural, that is just like you said, going on the highways and byways and gathering things that were no good and cast off and all that uh, and creating works of beauty that he wanted to flow through um, and really release beauty in people's homes and their life. That was the same thing I was going to be doing in 
people's lives is helping them to come into that journey as well and um, really be who God had called them to be. So for me, it seems like kind of disparate parts of my life, the art and what I do, you know, in, in mentoring, but it, it really is the same, uh, just yeah. two different expressions. So Yeah. There's two scriptures that I've carried with me even when I've been traveling and speaking and sharing to other creatives as well. One is obviously the Genesis 1 narrative where basically God creates something out of nothing and then creates us in His image, almost giving us permission to do the same, you know? And then the New Testament parallel to that is when Jesus took the little boy's lunch, you know, (laughs) and and He fed 5,000 with it. He took this nothing and then gave thanks for it. And then it multiplied, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, and I've come to realize, you know, in my own, as a believer, but also as a, as one who creates, I, I really have come to believe that God cares much more that we create uh, than what we create. I think people get really hung up on, you know, especially in the Christian community. Well, is this Christian art or not? I was like, well, I don't know if there's a such thing as a Christian basket or a Christian painting or a Christian <laughs> song. It's, it's people that have been changed by the love of God who create out of that place and who hopefully become uh, conduits for that same transformation in our life. And so whether it's baskets or music or paintings or whatever it is, it's all uh, has the capacity to release the light and life of God. And for me as an artist, uh, and I think maybe you would say the same thing as a musician, that really frees you to create out of a place of authenticity and connection as opposed to feeling like I've got to create this or that that's you know yeah absolutely you know it's funny i was just listening back to some of the previous episodes on makers and mystics and one of the interviews that i did with brian zond we hinted on some of that we we talked about creating outside of any perceived boxes or stereotypes or these expectations yeah i think that's huge and i think when you understand that I love that verse where it talks about, you know, God will uh, inhabit the praises of his people. That word praise right there is a, you know, unrehearsed nature, spontaneous praise. And I think for all of us as artists, that is the nature of the creative process that we come into the studio and we just spontaneous out of the well of creativity that's inside of us, out of the movement of the Holy Spirit that's around us, we spontaneously create. And it's in that moment and in that process and product that God says, I'll live and move and have my being and move through. And I'm like, that is so exciting and so transformational, I think, for all of us as yeah. creatives who who realize that what we do is much more than just the convergence of techniques and materials. You know, it really is this, this supernatural process. interested in your process with making the woven sculptures because I even read on your website that this work for you is an interaction with nature and how nature plays a crucial role in what you create. And I think you even used the phrase, you said, every creation begins with a walk in the woods. And I I begin to think, you know, in Jeremiah 18, where the Lord tells Jeremiah, well, I want you to go down to the potter's house and watch his process. And through that creative process, I'm going to speak to you something that's that's going to be for the nation, you know? And so tell me a little bit about your process, about your walking through the woods. Is is that like a 
a time of contemplation and prayer for you? Is that a time where you interact with the Lord or what happens when you walk through the woods? I think, you know, it's it's this thing of, it's the story of my life is that I'm always about productivity and God's always about process. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> even as I started making baskets, it was all about going to the woods to get the materials to, so I could do something. Mm-hmm. But every time I was there, if I would slow down a little bit, it, the Lord was like, I really want to speak to you through this time. And it, it was when I'd be in Scotland or Australia or here in the mountains or whatever, and you're walking through these beautiful natural places and you, and I would see how things nest together and work together. It's this, this really holy kind of beautiful meditative process. And, and all of that, I mean, I really believe in the concept of a creative well, that everything that we see and do and feel and experience goes inside of us. And that is what comes out in those spontaneous moments of creativity. And so I just started looking at nature and those experiences, um, although they are, it's not quite as romantic as it sounds, you know, of, of me kind of glistening through the woods, you know, just <laughs> walking, you know, sauntering around. It, it's a lot of hard work and everything, but but all of the beauty, I just, I started letting that get inside of me. And um, I started letting that inform creatively what I was doing as opposed to being just a source for materials. And again, I find that's just the, the nature of the of the journey God has got me on is this like, hey, slow down, pay attention, look what's around you. And um, it's not all about just getting things done and productivity. It's about this beautiful process of life. So I've had to learn that and I'm still learning that as well, that creativity is more of a process than a product. Right. And, and it, when I look at a finished song or a finished poem or something that I write, that those are almost relics of the process that I went through. Right. And, you know, but it's but it's almost the um or they're souvenirs in a sense. You could say it that way, I guess, you know, but it was really the process that I went through that gave birth to what we call art. And right. uh we touched on this already, but I'm so fascinated with all these materials that you use. You take kudzu and tree bark and copper and and beeswax, you know, and these ordinary materials. Right. And then you transform them into these works of art that even I think you said that the Smithsonian Museum has recognized some of your work, you know. Right. And I, I think that's a what a beautiful picture of redemption, even. Yeah, and I think you know for me. Starting as a basket maker, and and like anybody, I think you do something creatively long enough, you get bored, you get tired of, you know, you're always looking for what's next, at least I do. And on the spiritual side, then kind of understanding that beautiful picture of Bezalel, this guy in Exodus 31, who's this master of everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's kind of the picture, I guess, of of what I want. And it was also this this kind of drawing me to to say, listen, don't ever let the materials that you know now be the limiting factor between, uh, you know, of what you want to go to and uh, creatively. And so I, I've just always been very free with materials. And so I started with metal and then started with clay and then wax and kind of bringing all of these in again to really get the aesthetic that I'm going for, um, which is these sort of nested organic forms. Yeah. Um, it really, I think, community-based uh, in, in a lot of what I'm I'm trying to say, how we work together and live and move together uh, as people. But, um, and even that gets a little too, Whoa, you know, for me, I don't even understand all that that is there, but yeah. I know that when people see the work and they see all the pieces coming together, they're like, wow, there's so much flow and so much peace and, and that sort of thing. And they they feel, I think, what I inherently feel, but don't always know how to express. So yeah. 
I was thinking about this little obscure scripture in the book of Zechariah, but at the end of Zechariah in chapter 14, there's a scripture that talks about that even the cooking pots were holy unto the Lord. That even you know even these little ordinary objects in the kitchen carried something of the presence of God or turned the heart toward the presence of God. And then I was thinking about Paul in in Acts 19 and how even his apron or his handkerchief or whatever it was, you know, they sent this thing out and somehow in in the mystery of God, this handkerchief participated in bringing healing to a person. Yeah. And I started thinking and I know I've I've visited your studio and by the way if I didn't mention it earlier already, your studio is in the River Arts District of Asheville, North Carolina. Right. One of yeah, one of my my favorite places in North Carolina. <laughs> But I remember when I visited your studio and I was just looking around at all your different works, I began to experience that process that you went through to bring those elements together. And I think that says something even for how we interact with someone's art is like, if we can look at it, not just as the finished product, but we can see the process that the artist went through to create that, just like those cooking pots or that handkerchief, that the process we go through will really speak to the people that see our work. Absolutely. I think they become, I've called artwork, you know, intersection points where heaven meets earth is this place where our process and the Holy Spirit and all of that is kind of waiting for people to come up and take a moment to breathe that in and to and to allow God to speak to them. And I think that's one of the powerful things about the River Arts District and being here is that, you know, about half of my space is gallery and then the other half that you're just right in the middle of is my workspace. So you get to see all these raw materials, you get to see me working and all of that. It just, it really is very I think transformational for people not to use too big of a word, but it's very impactful for people to see that um, because you just see something on the wall. You're like, oh, great. But you're like, yeah, I actually went and found a tree and cut it down and peeled the bark and got this. You know, there's this huge amount of work um, before anything ever gets on the wall. So let me ask you this as a believer in Jesus, what have you, is there something that you have taken away from your process of working with these materials that you've learned about God and his process with humanity? What, if you had to kind of boil it down, what would you say working with these materials in your art has taught you about God's process with us? I think, you know, first of all, it's kind of what I was saying a minute ago about, you know, anything that God does through my work, um, I always find is in spite of anything that I've offered. I mean, I, I know, and I most of what I teach about is co-laboring with the Father and being involved in the process and and that sort of thing. I I believe it with all my heart, but at the same time, the things that people will say or if, if emotions that are evoked or that sort of thing seem to be in spite of of anything that I've done. And it's it's always a good reminder for me to not to take myself too seriously that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm his son. He's my father. I'm involved in this process. He loves me. But everything that's going on is not based on, you know, Matt is a really good whatever. But it's just that I was available and willing to be involved in the process and and be this intersection point. And um, to me, that is that gives a lot of freedom, gives a lot of life and uh, enables me to just create out of a place of of sonship as opposed to uh, kind of a product driven. I got to sell my stuff. I got to make it happen either on the marketing end or on the on the of the faith end of things. So yeah, yeah.
I want to ask you a question because this is something that's close to my own journey and something I've talked about with several people. I, matter of fact, I probably hit on this a little bit with everybody that comes on Makers and Mystics. <laughs> but you know, I've traveled a lot and even this, just the past couple months, I've traveled to different creative communities in America. And when I've talked with a lot of the artists there, they have these visions of things they want to do with their art that's totally outside of the box of traditional Christian art, you know, whether it's just I want to perform my music in non-Christian venues or whether it's, you know, I want to create something that doesn't fit the Sunday morning context, you know what I mean? Right. And I know that even in your own work, you're in the middle of downtown Asheville. Your work has has been displayed in galleries and, and places all over the world. And I know you have built an incredible relationship with those outside of the church. And right. again, my heart is always to encourage people to do that, which maybe there's no prototype for. Yeah, you know, I think there's this idea that everything that a Christian is gifted with has to find its full expression within the life of the church. And I don't think anything could be further from the truth. It's right. like, you know, most of what artists do, I think, can bless the church, but it's not for the church. Right. You know, it, it's for the marketplace because the marketplace is where life happens and yeah. relationships happen and that sort of thing. And so I'm always encouraging people to be out there and doing what you do because, again, it's not – can my art do incredible things? Yes, absolutely. It can speak. It can draw people into a relationship with the Lord, be that intersection point. But even more than that – I find that it's the relationships that I develop when I'm out there, the opportunities for influence that are the real game changer. Um, if churches and ministry leaders only give people context for their work being in the wall, the four walls of the church, we do them a major disservice. And then what happens is on the artist side, you know, the church may not buy their work, they may not celebrate their work, they, you know, whatever. And so then all this resentment gets built up in the heart of the artist. Well, they just don't get me in the church, this and da, 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 da. And it's like, no, there's just a big misunderstanding. You know, <laughs> the, the church and ministry leaders, our role has got to be to equip the saints for their work of ministry. Mm -hmm. And the real fact is their work of ministry may or may not be within the life and ministry of the church. It may be for the marketplace. And so I think we've got to get people, you know, oriented to that mm -hmm. um, so that church then becomes this celebration place where we come and say, wow, look what God did. My business is growing. This relationship is happening. This healing happened. This transformation happened. I had an impact in my city, you know, whatever. I, I think that's the, the place where things that we do as artists get really viral and uh, very transformative. Yeah. So. I want to talk a little bit now about the work that you're doing in the mentoring that you do with other artists. And you talked a lot about the process and the product. And I, and I know one of my favorite theologians, you're probably familiar with this guy, Hans Ruckmacher. If you've read any of his stuff, if you haven't, <laughs> go out and, and get... <laughs> he's got a book called Art Needs No Justification. Mm. And it's a tiny book, but for all you guys listening too, this is my book recommendation for the show is to go find yourself a copy of Art Needs No Justification by Hans Ruckmacher. And he says in the beginning of this little book, he says, you know, art is the one place in society where we demand excellence from the artists, 
but we're willing to let them starve to give it to us. <laughs> and, and I was like, man, I, I don't know that I've ever read a truer statement. <laughs> you know, it's like there's this, we demand excellence from the artists, but we're also willing to let them starve uh, to, to achieve that. And I know that uh, the work that you've done is you have been helping to mentor artists and creatives to go past that stereotypical place of the starving artist syndrome or whatever and to really help facilitate um, bringing your creative process into something sustainable for your livelihood. And yeah. and so that's really unique in what you do. I mean, and I know even for me, I ha- you know, I'm a musician and a poet and an artist to the core. I had to have a crash course in, um, for instance, when I met my wife, I was selling CDs out of the trunk of my car and couch surfing and, and living totally off the grid. And, and then within a six month period, I owned a business. I had a wife, I had a mortgage and I owned four vehicles. (laughs) This just got real, right? (laughs) (laughs) It got really real, you know? Uh, and so I had to learn the hard way and maybe you have too, but like, when I look at you, you've got a great balance of the creative as well as the practical business mind. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about your work in that and how can we help the artists even listening to this program to begin that journey? Yeah, well, you know, like everything I try to share, uh, it came out of my own journey. I had a lot of fear and baggage around money around provision, around God's love for my life, uh, for me as a person, not just as a, an artist. And so I think all of the transformation that I, I wrote about in Unlocking the Heart of the Artist and, and that I'm still going through in my own life has always been around this idea that God loves me. He's called me according to his purposes. Nothing can separate me from that. That, And, and he had to begin to, to show me that as I stepped into my calling as an artist, which I believe is the prim- my primary calling uh, in his kingdom, that I could expect as normal abundance and provision from him uh, because that's what I see God's word saying. You know, you see Matthew 4 and 5, Jesus is talking about, you know, oh, you little faith, why are you out there worried about where you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and where you're going to live? Uh, look at the birds of the field, the flowers, of the, you know, all that, all that verse that he talks about. Then he goes into Matthew 6, 33 and says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and these right, his righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you. Well, people try to over-spiritualize that. Well, he's talking about inner peace. He's talking about this. No, he's talking about your money and where you're going to live and what you're going to eat. And then you read in 2 Peter where it talks about this, that God has already given us everything that we need for life and godliness and that we participate in the divine nature through the precious promises of God. And I started realizing that it was not that God didn't want to provide for me or that provision was unrealistic. It was that I was unable to, because of my own mindset, own baggage, I was unable to align myself with what God had already provided through Jesus. And as I would begin to renew my mind and align with him, all of a sudden I would start seeing that kingdom and that those benefits of being in that kingdom mm-hmm. show up in my life uh, in a real tangible way with clients, with finances, with creative ideas, with resources, with all of that. And 
I think for most artists, especially Christians, that is a fundamentally different way of mm-hmm. of thinking about life. Um, and so it's my passion to help people come into that understanding. So. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. And just to double back, you made reference to your book, Un- Unlocking the Heart of the Artist. And I want to make sure everyone knows about that book as well. I've got it in my hand here. It says, uh, Unlocking the Heart of the Artist, A Practical Guide to Fulfilling Your Creative Call as an Artist in the Kingdom. And um, you wrote this book several years ago, but it's, it, it has a lot of wisdom, a lot of practical wisdom in it. So you can get this on your website. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been amazing to me. I wrote that book. It was the notes from a small group that we started uh, back in uh, 2009 and 10. And um, kind of I, I took it and evolved it into my story and that sort of thing. But it's gone all over the world. It continues to sell, you know, every month. And I'm just like, it, it really is. It, it, I think it's just, it's proof that when God does something, the supernatural from you, for, through you, that is more than you, you know, this more than just your story. It, it really can have legs of its own. And I, for me, that story, um, and for most artists, I think that story of coming out of bondage, coming out of woundedness and fear and anxiety and all that kind of stuff and performance about uh, my own creativity, my own identity as a believer and coming into the fullness of who God uh, had created me to be, that's been a message that continues to resonate because people know, I think, inherently that we're created for more and yet they don't know how to make this the connection between where they are now and where they want to get to. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think if there's a secret sauce or whatever that the Lord's showing me. It's just through my own mistakes or whatever that I'm kind of showing people the road that I've walked and how to begin to use kingdom principles to step into the fullness of yeah. who God's called you yeah. to be. If you had to point out, say, the top three roadblocks that you feel like you see most of the artists that you work with facing, what would they be? I'm not good enough. You know, there's the, the, you know, first of all, let me just put the caveat. The enemy always comes to steal, kill, destroy, right? To lie to us. And so it's always this doubt thing. Mm. And um, so whether it is with money or with their own creative abilities or their ability to sell their art, um, any of that, those ifs, you know, if you're good enough, if, you know, people would really buy, or you're not good enough, or you'll never be, or because this happened to you, you'll not be able to, all of that kind of stuff, um, no matter what the flavor is, you know, it's all the same place of woundedness. Uh, it's just the enemy attacking identity um, mm-hmm. is huge. And so I, I would say whatever flavor that takes on in people's life, the identity issue is the biggest roadblock. Um, number two is then I think thinking that because they're a believer, um, thinking that all of us, that God's just automatically going to do this supernatural thing of being, you're a, you're a famous artist now. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they discount or don't understand fully the process kind of that we see in Matthew 25 of this, the parable of the talents that, you know, okay, some had one talent, some had two, some had five. And based on how you steward that which God has put in you, uh, that's the degree to which you're going to flow. And, and you know, as Jesus said, be faithful over little, now be ruler mm-hmm. over much. Again, I think people discount the time it takes, the investment that it takes, the the energy and work it takes to, yeah. to yeah. really um, go through that. And then I think the third thing is 
kind of along the same process of of co-laboring with the Lord. People do, especially Christians, do not understand the role that renewing the mind has the the foundational uh, element that it is in our life. Because if the movie that is playing in your mind all the time says, I'm not good enough, I can't be enough, God doesn't love me, I'll never make enough money, da-da-da-da-da, then guess what? That is going to be the dominating things that show up in your life. And not to get off in quantum physics and how energy works and all that, but it is just a truism that like attracts like. And, um, you know, it says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, Paul talks about don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Think like everybody else thinks, but be fundamentally changed by the renewing of your mind. And so those three things, I think, are they're major roadblocks, and yet they're major opportunities that when you can come through those and see God's plan for those, they're, they're major ways God, can, God uses to, uh, to bring transformation into their life. with artists now for 10 years plus. Yeah. Um, what would you say you've seen develop or grow? Are you encouraged with where arts within the Christian community are going? What have you seen change and develop over the past 10 years of working with artists of faith? You know, when I first started doing art conferences and that sort of thing, when people would say the word prophetic art, which is kind of loaded, you know, within a certain stream, um, they would automatically think painting. And I think, and which is a, a great and valid, you know, way to express your creativity. I think now having been in this thing 10 years and watching people evolve, people are really, it's slow, but they're starting to get the idea that no matter what your creative expression is, it has the opportunity to release the light and life of God. And there's a lot of freedom coming in people's lives to just create out of that authentic place that God's given you, as opposed to thinking that, it's got to have overtly Christian some you know symbology, or it's got to be about a overtly Christian message, or whatever. You can this, really embracing the idea that God created me to be creative, and that when I do that, His pleasures on me and His life and light flow through me, and that's real exciting. I think it opens up; it just kind of busts down any gates that are there for people to to see Him really flow through them. So, one last thing I wanted to to talk about is the gathering of the artisans that you're doing up in Black Mountain. I've been a part of it once in the past and really loved my experience there. And I'd love for people to know more about that and how they can connect with you in your mentoring, in your books, and also in the creative community that you're fostering. Yeah. So Gathering of Artisans started back in 2010. Um, we've done 11 now, um, both here in the United States and internationally. And in Europe and Scotland and all over the place. And so it's been uh, great to see that. The whole goal of that was um, to bring master artists and emerging artists together in this place where we could not only grow in excellence as artists, but also learn and have that conversation about how do we engage the Holy Spirit in that process because these are not mutually exclusive. And I find that in so many you know, ministry-based events, they are exclusive. Either you've got great art teaching over here, but they don't talk about 
how the Holy Spirit uses it or everything is so over-spiritualized that they never talk about the practicality of, you know, what it means to mix a color or to do things with, with great skill. And so we do both of that in four days plus worship and teaching at night and opportunities for personal ministry. It's been just really, really great. So gatheringofartisans.com, people can find out about that. And our 11th year, we're excited about that. Then as far as mentoring um, and that sort of thing, this is again, been just part of the journey of, Lord, how do I raise up an army of artists, which is what my life calling is, and yet not live on the road? Um, I knew that for me, I wanted to be a, a dad and a husband and create my work primarily, and that anything that I would offer artists would be out of that journey. And so the mentoring program that I lead now called Created to Thrive, we've got about 450 artists currently. It's just started this year. And essentially what it is is an online group where I'm bringing people along on my journey, teaching them everything I know about marketing, how to grow a successful business, but also the convergence of where that hits your spirituality and your artistic growth. Because that to me as a believer, you've got to have all three parts of that flowing. Uh, You can't just have these disparate parts is God wants us to have this holistic existence where we're flowing with him. We're being excellent as an artist and growing in our capacity, but at the same time learning to thrive financially. And um, so I love that. That's 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 what I'm about right now. So, well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. If you'd like more information on Makers and Mystics or on the Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering, you can find out at makersandmystics.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.